I'm going to get two hours and half an hour, starting right now. Here we go. <laughs> Advent, first week of Advent. Advent season is awesome. Yeah, we get to celebrate and prepare our hearts, uh, just to remember what Christ did as we celebrated on Christmas Day. Um, but we're preparing our hearts to remember, like, not just like there was a baby. This baby came to die for me. <laughs> this baby came for a purpose. And God could have, I mean, imagine just the humility of saying, like, you're God, and I'm actually going to put myself in the form of a baby. I'm going to grow. Because what was he doing? He's, I will be touched in the same way they are touched. He says, I understand when you suffer, because I can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities, because I've suffered how you've suffered. I had to go through all the growing pains and the, right? I had to go. He had to do all of that. I mean, he could have died for our sins. I don't know. I don't want to... There's some areas you don't step into because you're like, I think heresy is like right on this side of that line. There's like a really narrow, like the, like the Trinity. They're like one God of the same substance. I mean, you don't say very much because you're like, we don't have really good words for it, you know? But think about that. Laid aside all that he had in heaven, came and actually had to go through um, all the humbling experiences of being a person, of growing up, of... I don't know. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we celebrate in this Advent season, we celebrate his coming and the first candle there represents hope. We start with hope in the Advent season. The Advent season is hope and faith and joy and peace. Those are the four themes of Advent season. So today we're on hope. Hope is a good place to start. Yeah? Hope. All right. Um, and I want to deal with this specifically. I'm going to get everyone on the same page because we've actually talked about hope quite a bit in the house over the years. Um, but today I want to talk about how hope comes from believing God. Hope comes from believing God. And I'm going to get us on the same page and then move in that direction. Hope comes from believing God. You can't just like be like, I'm going to be hopeful. <laughs> That's not how it's going to start. The seed of hope right, begins to bloom when you begin to believe God. That's where hope comes from, believing him, okay? Hebrews 11, really quick, let's do a little bit of work on hope, and then we'll get into hope coming from believing in God. Hebrews 11, we, we go here a lot, so if you've been in this house at all, you, you know it. If you don't, we're all going to get on the same page today. Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So we just dealt with that second part a few weeks ago, right? The physical world is less substantial than the spiritual world. The physical world came from the spiritual world. He says, don't you understand everything you can see came from what you cannot see? Like we put our faith in this stuff we can see, what's in our bank, all the tangibles. And he's like, don't you understand? All these tangibles came from what you can't see. The spiritual takes precedence over the physical because the physical came from it, which is why cancer leaves bodies in Jesus' name because the spiritual takes precedence over the physical. Right? The spiritual, the laws of the spiritual always veto and overrun the laws of the physical. And when Christ is making all things new, and when all things are made new, that will be true 100% of the time. Right now we get to see glimpses of it, right? And we're pursuing it, but that's, it reveals God's glory. 
Because when there's the brokenness of this fallen world and his glory comes and rests on a situation and changes it and makes it on earth like it is in heaven, people give glory to God because his goodness is beautiful, right? So we know that the spiritual takes precedence over the physical, and how do we begin to live in that place where we see on earth as it is in heaven? We see the spiritual realities, we see them being manifest in the brokenness of this fallen physical world. Well, in places where we have faith, right? Because before we see the reality happen, what precedes it? We had faith to see what isn't seen yet. We believe he's gonna do it. It's not done yet. This physical world is contradicting what I know to be true because he said it, and so my faith is the evidence right now of the thing we cannot see. But I believe we're gonna see it. And that's the faith. Where does faith come from? Hope. We begin to believe for things that we've begun to hope for in our heart. Hope is the origination of faith. Faith is the muscle. But the muscle's not going to work disconnected from hope. Right? So you can't really build faith until you have established hope. Because hope is a sense of, God, you're going to do it. God, I know you can. God, I believe you. And out of that believing, I begin to see, I apply what you have said to this situation. And now I have faith for the specific thing to happen because I have believed the word. I have believed that this is true about you. And now I can apply my faith to it. Does this make sense? So, we can try to do all the faith stuff like people will be like, if you, if you need to have faith, just do these three exercises and say these 10 things. And that's not, that's not how you get faith. You get faith by your spirit telling your mind what to believe. That's where it's got to start. Hope. The hope says, oh, I'm going to choose to believe this is true. I'm going to choose to believe this is true. Now, okay, then why don't we all do that? Because hope is very painful. <laughs> hope, sometimes it's joyful, but there's always pain in hope. Right? It's just easier not to believe anything good will happen. I'll never be disappointed. And I'll always be in control because I know exactly what's going to happen. When I begin to hope, I don't get to be in control. I'm beginning to believe for things that are bigger than what I can make happen. And in my heart, I'm like, what if it doesn't happen? What will happen to my heart if this thing I hope for doesn't happen and we don't want to risk the pain? So we choose not to hope. How many of you, three of you are like, yeah, I've done that, but the rest of you are like, no, I'm, I live in constant hope about everything. <laughs> so we have to make some choices, don't we? Am I willing to risk the part of hope that is painful to believe for the better things that God has said? We sing that one song, your blood speaks a better word, right? Your blood speaks a better word because through his blood he accomplishes all these things, right? On the cross. 
and we choose to believe the better word that his blood speaks, right? But there's pain in that because I've got to, one, release control, and two, I've got to be willing to risk disappointment. So those are choices we have to make. Romans 8.28. We know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So this is what you can do for your mind, right? When your spirit's telling your mind like, come on, come on, let's make a choice to hope. Here's how you can help your mind out. What are the areas where you feel desperate? Where are the areas where you feel most disappointed? Where are the areas that you feel most fearful? You feel most insecure? You feel most harassed about? Now take a second and imagine that God is in that situation. My kid is far from God. Now imagine he's in the situation and that he loves them more than you do. And that as you're praying, he is putting people all in their path. <laughs> Imagine he's in it. Doesn't that begin to ignite some hope? Imagine he cares about it more than you care about it. Doesn't that ignite some hope? You look at your bank account. Mm, how are we going to make this happen? Imagine God's in it. Imagine he actually wants to give you wisdom about it. Imagine he'll give you strategies. Imagine that he can open doors that no man can open. Imagine him in it. That's where hope comes from. Where we feel hopeless, we are imagining a future without him in it, in that situation. That's where we feel hopeless. When you begin to believe God is working all things together for good, for those who love him are called according to his purposes, and nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Not demons, not angels, not things present, not things past. How many of you have things past to try to tell you nothing good can happen? Because look at that. Not things present, not things past. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now imagine he's in it. How do you feel about that situation? Can you let yourself hope? Oh, come on. Come on, come on. Now listen, my hope is in him. My hope is not in the thing I told him he needs to do. The way I told him he needs to do it. My hope is in him. God, you have a good solution. I'm partnering with you. You're not par partnering with me. I'm partnering with you. My hope is partnering with what your good plan is. Come on. And so, because when I'm telling him, he better partner with me, and here's how he's going to do it so I can have hope, who's still in control? Hope puts him in control. God, I choose to believe this word. You are good. You are working all things together for good. And listen, for the sake of the righteous, God will do crazy, crazy things for the sake of the righteous. He is so good. We cannot exaggerate his goodness. He's so good. Look all through scripture. For the sake of the righteous, he's saving that one. This CD over here got saved because his dad was righteous. This one over here didn't get killed because his great, 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 great grandfather David was righteous. For the sake of your father David, who died 400 years ago, I will, you will not die today. I mean, come on. Rahab, she'd believe for one day. <laughs> and every rotten person she knew who could fit into her house got saved too. Come on. For the sake of the righteous. 
Abraham, if you can find 10 righteous in that city of terribleness, I will save it. But there was none righteous there, so that was a bummer for them, right? (laughs) That didn't work out well for them. But for the sake of the righteous, come on, who's the righteous? Who's the righteous? Are you in Christ Jesus? Have you put your faith in him? Then you are the righteous. So good. He's so good. He's so good to us. He's so good to us. So we're going to choose to believe God. That's where hope starts. I choose to believe him. This is where hope's going to start. When God has said something, he will accomplish it. He knows how to finish the things he starts. Jesus goes to his death, right? For the joy set before him, despising the shame, he's crucified, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father, the Bible tells us. He sees the joy set before him, so he's going to walk this road, he's going to finish it, which is, right, his, which is his beating, his torture, his death. He endured that for the joy set before him, then sat down at the right hand of the Father. If he can finish that, he can finish whatever he's doing in you. Come on. This is going to happen, not based on me. It's going to happen based on his character. And he has shown us that for the joy set before him, the glory of God covering the earth with the waters cover the sea, he can finish what he starts. So if he has said it, he will accomplish it. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. It's not possible that he could lie. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God does not lie. He can accomplish what he has said. Now here's the deal. What God speaks to you when he says to you will get put to the test. We see this, right, all through scripture. You're going to see what he has said. You're going to put your hope in him. He's going to speak to you on that thing. And then that thing will get put to the test. God comes to Abraham, who's a million years old. (laughs) And he says, your wife Sarah, who went through menopause 50 years ago, is going to have a child. And through this child, I'm going to raise up a nation for my name. And it's going to bless the world. And through this nation will come, right, this deliverer, big promises to a very, very, very old man with a very, very, very old wife. And when Sarah hears about it, she laughs. She hears what God is speaking to Abraham because the angels come down. And she's listening. And she starts laughing. Why is she laughing? If you read through the text in that story, she's like, I'm going to nurse a child? Like, it's one thing for an older lady to be like, look, I had a child. And you're like, yeah, whatever. If she's nursing the child, you're like, yep, she had the child. (laughs) That happened. (laughs) Just a picture of it for Sarah. She was like, what in the world? God doesn't give us easy promises. We all want to live big lives and see amazing things. Well, then you're not going to have easy promises. You're going to have big promises. It's going to require stretching (laughs) to get there. So what he speaks to you is going to get put to the test. King David gets anointed to be king. 
And it's years later when he actually becomes king after the current king tries to kill him and raises an army against him. And, you know, the promise gets opposed. The promises of God in your life are going to get opposed. And that's where you make a decision to believe him, and then your capacity is going to grow to receive the promise, or you choose not to believe, and you become discouraged and disaffected. You become an elder brother, like in the prodigal son story. I worked for you all these years. You never give me anything. <laughs> and a lot of Christians are sitting this morning right now in churches with an elder brother spirit because they've stopped believing God. They got a bad attitude. Whatever happened. And people who aren't believers are like, oh, Christians are kind of jerks. Who are they running into? Dried up. And I'm not saying old. I'm just saying like dried up in the heart, hardened of heart. Because somewhere along the way, they were like, I am not hanging on to what he said. And they shrink down to what they can control. We're not going to be those people. Because we're running together. And when one of us shrinks back, the rest of us start kicking you in the butt. We're like, no, 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 no. None of us are getting left behind. And don't you know we all need that friend who's like, you're going to believe what God said because you told me what he spoke to you last year and I'm hanging on to it with you. Okay. So what God speaks to you will get put to the test. That's, you listen, your faith is going to grow. God has to grow more capacity in you and in me because he has ordered our steps and things. The word talks about the plans he has for us. They're so much bigger than we can even comprehend. I think for a lot of us, we end up fulfilling like this much of it because at some point we just say, I'm not going to grow anymore. I'm done with increasing my capacity. How many of you have been there where you're like, taking a breather for five years? <laughs> God isn't going to bring you a promise that requires nothing of you. You will know the strength of his word to you only after it has been tested and after it faces some opposition. Here's the deal. When you get into agreement with the opposition to what he speaks is true, suspicion, now the opposition has your authority. You with me? Things will come to oppose God's word in your life, and when you begin to get into agreement with it, now the opposition has your authority. And you're pulling in the wrong direction. Something that was powerless to actually dictate outcomes in your life just gained the power that God gave you. Thank you, David. Are you with me? We cannot get into agreement with a word that didn't come from him, with a word that isn't confirmed by his word. We cannot get into agreement with it. Cannot. Because it's powerless to actually affect outcomes. But then we give it our power. If I'm discouraged and hopeless, I am feeding myself on the wrong stuff. Pay attention to what God is doing and feed yourself on what he has done. So often God will say, give your testimony. Speak testimony to your children. 
Remind them of what God did for their great-grandparents and their grandparents and for you. The stuff they don't remember, the stuff they weren't there for, the things they were there for but need reminding of. Speak testimony. Why? Um, Like Amber said, when you hear John Mark's testimony, you feel like God can do it for me. Testimony is prophetic. Because when you hear what God did for somebody else, you're like, you know what, maybe he can do that for me. Maybe that thing he spoke to me, he could accomplish it. We overcome, Revelation tells us, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Feed yourself on what God says is true and feed yourself on what he has done, not what is undone. Which means you have to take the squirrel that lives in your head (laughs) and that you created a running course for and you have to dismantle the running course because your mind will run on what's undone. Well, what if this happens? What if that person does this? And now it's all control again, right? The squirrel doesn't get to run. I can take my thoughts and put them under the captivity of Christ. And whatsoever things are good and honest and just, I will think on these things. What does his word say is true? King David says, I meditate on your word day and night. He didn't even have a physical Bible. He, they'd read from the scroll on Saturdays, right, at the temple. And he would keep that word in his mind and he would just turn it over and over and over and over in his mind. Feed yourself on what God says is true. If we don't stay conscious of God, who does the impossible, we will reduce every outcome and every situation to what we can produce or have produced in our own strength. If we don't stay God conscious of what, he, what is he saying, what is his word, what has he done, if we don't stay God conscious, the God who can do the impossible, then we start reducing everything down to what we can produce. And this is where the enemy will even use your virtues against you. Because you'll feel like, well, I'm just persevering. Mm. Mm. I'm just persevering. Perseverance is really good. You need perseverance. You don't want to be flaky. You want to persevere to the end to see what God has said accomplished, right? You want to persevere. But listen, the fruit of the Spirit is not fruits of the Spirit. They're not like multiple fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit that should be seen in your life. So while you're persevering, there should also be joy. While you're persevering, there should also be peace. Thank you. Because you can fake even not you're meaning to fake, but we can even fake ourselves out like, I just have the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and all we've really done that looks like perseverance and steadiness is just apathy and stoicism. I've just stopped caring, and that's why I have peace now. <laughs> it looks like peace, but it's not actual peace. There's no hope in it. There's no joy in that peace. But I'm telling myself I'm just a solid person. Or I can be flaky and be like, I'm just full of joy. But you can't count on anything coming out of my life. That's not joy. Only the Holy Spirit can produce in us people who are rock solid and steady and also joyful and full of peace and goodness and perseverance. Right? And when what God has spoken to us gets opposed and our capacity grows, what's growing in that capacity as well? 
the ability to live by the Spirit. And those fruits of the Spirit are coming out of our life. And people are looking at you in a circumstance and saying, how are you joyful? And you're like, I don't really know, but I know Jesus. (laughs) And it's not a fake, flippant joy. It's deep. When I'm unhappy, I'm still joyful. Right? How many of you know it's okay to have an unhappy day? Bad things happen. You should grieve when bad things, right? But even in grief, when you're a believer and you're trusting in him, there's joyfulness. It's the buoyancy that lets you know you're not going to sink, even as you grieve. Are you with me? Okay. In areas where I'm hopeless, I have become the measure of what is possible. I'm hopeless because I can only see what I would be able to produce, and I know I can't make it happen. When my hope is in him, anything can happen. He opens doors no man can open. He shuts doors no man can shut. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. He defeats armies of thousands with the jaw of a donkey. Three men with swords. I mean, come on. We'll reduce everything down to our skill level, what we know. And it's devoid of the power of God to change the situation. Now listen, we are most likely to do this in our areas of highest competency. So if you're really good at making money, it's very easy not to trust him anymore. Because your life looks so, right? You have enough. But God wants to do more through you financially than what you can make happen. How many of you are with me? You have a good intellect. That's probably an area we're going to be the challenge the most to believe God and not trust in your own wisdom. Lean not to your own understanding. You're going to have to check yourself on it constantly. Am I just relying on what I can do and what I can produce? Because it'll, it'll hollow out that area of your life. You've got to keep your trust in him. So we're not going to create a list of what hasn't been done or we can do in our own strength, but we are going to trust in him. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not heard? Have you not understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Some of you worked pretty hard the past couple days cooking food for like 300 people. I know some of you are pulling pork for like five hours or beef. Some of you, listen, I know, I don't even, you don't want to name people because so many people just want some things, but Alan Brenneman's a beast. <laughs> that guy's a beast. And it's, and it's like happiness, like, this is a gift. Because those who would be like, oh my goodness, I gotta do one more. He's like, I got it. I'm going, I'm, I got it. Right? So think about this, because today some of you are probably pretty tired. How many of you are a little weary today? You, you were some of you in the wedding party? Yeah. Some of you are tired for totally different reasons. <laughs> you have other stuff going on. So this is really good to reflect on when you feel weak. Think about this verse. Have you not understood the everlasting God, the creator of the earth, he never gets weak or weary. He's not fed up today. 
because he blessed you so much last night. He's not tapped out today because he was so good yesterday. And he's everlasting. He doesn't wear out. He hasn't hit 40 and he's like, oh, that hurt to stand up. What happened there? (laughs) He's everlasting. That's who we're talking about putting our faith in. He never grows weak or weary. And no one can measure the depths of his understanding. Like his capacities are limitless. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. (laughs) I'm looking at my kids. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Come on! And where does that come from? Me being in control? Uh Uh-uh. It's come because I have realized I can't make it happen, and now I've just plugged into him. I've got my IV in, and so he can just fill me with strength. I haven't got it. This is too much for me. It's more than I can do, but my IV is in. Some of you in this room, you've got desperate situations. You've got things that are, I mean, you need God to show up. You've realized you can't make it happen. I want to encourage you today. Two kinds of desperation. One's going to lead you to anger and frustration and unbelief if it finally takes over that desperation. And the other takes you to God. When you find yourself, there's a situation of desperation. If you stay in control and you push him out, you'll become angry. You become unbelieving. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Your heart becomes hard. That control messes us up. But in that desperation, if you'll surrender and say, God, I recognize I reached the end of me and I should have called out to you on step one, but now I'm on step 39. <laughs> and I'm out of steps and I get it. And so I surrender. How did you get saved? By works? No. You get saved through surrender. Repentance, throwing yourself on his mercy. Not by works. How are you going to stay saved? Through surrender. (laughs) And repent, yeah. Come on. Three things I want to challenge you with as we close up today. Ways we can walk this out. How do we choose to believe God and let our hope get birthed there? Number one, fill yourself with God's word and testimony. Fill yourself with God's word and testimony. Fill yourself with God's word and testimony. You can't just be getting God's word through somebody else, like a pastor on Sunday, or you need to go to the word yourself. If you've never started reading on your own, don't start in Genesis. (laughs) Here's what I encourage you to do. Start in Mark. Start in the Gospels. There are four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all about Jesus' life. You keep reading Jesus 
until you're so fascinated with him, you're ready for more. Man, just take in Jesus. Take in Jesus, and then you can move on from there, but take him in. Fill yourself with the word of God. Fill yourself with testimony. Repeat to yourself your own testimonies. Get other people's testimonies. Tell them what God's done in your life. Testify about his goodness. Take it in. There's a playwright I like. His name is David Mamet. He's not a believer, I don't think. I'm believing for him. Um, Anyway, but I think he just writes some interesting plays. He wrote a play uh, called Edmund, and one of the lines in it is so interesting to me. It says, every fear hides a wish. Every fear hides a wish. And so as you're going through God's word, maybe you're journaling, maybe you look at those areas. Where am I fearful? Where am I discouraged? Because actually in that is probably a hope for something you've been afraid to hope for and believe God for. And so take that thing the enemy meant to harm you, that thing you're fearful of, thing you're whatever, and turn it around to hope. I'm going to flip this thing on its head. I was living in fear and control, but now I've gotten God's word for this situation, and this is where I'm living now. That's what I'm turning over in my head now. Are you with me? So get in his word, get testimony, begin to write down the things he's saying to you. Number two, speak life to yourself and speak life to others. Speak life to yourself and speak life to others. Proverbs 23 tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You need to speak life to yourself. Proverbs 18, the power of life and death are in the tongue. Speak life to others. I listened to the sermon by um, Steve Backlund. It's been like maybe three or four years ago. And I was so convicted. Um, this one section, because I think of myself as like encouraging. Like, I feel like I encourage people. Well, I got all convicted because I was like, maybe I'm not as encouraging as I, I thought. Um, there was one section of the sermon where he talked about how he had this revelation from God. And he realized that there were people in his life who had like a big screw-up area. They weren't living right in an area that was very obvious. Maybe they didn't know God, maybe they did know God, and they had a big, glaring thing they were in rebellion against God about. And he said, I realized I had stopped encouraging them about anything. Because I felt like if I encourage them about this, maybe they'll think this is okay. And so I had just stopped speaking life to them. Because I was so afraid if I was like, hey, I love how you love people, then maybe they'll think that their sexual sin is okay. So I'm not going to speak life about, hey, it's so great how you're coaching soccer and encouraging those kids. I'm not going to encourage them about this. Because maybe if I encourage them too much, they'll start thinking the sin isn't a big deal. And I got to tell you, I was a little convicted, like, I think I might do that. I think I might. I might measure out my encouragement for people I disapprove of. <gasps> now, I'm not saying we shouldn't speak the truth about things, like, but there's people in my life, we've had the hard conversation, and they're just making other choices. They're not confused about what I believe about something. My encouragement wouldn't have confused them. But I'd become stingy with the very people who probably need encouragement. Because how many of you know you are most likely to surrender and let God bring transformation when you feel hopeful and encouraged? That's when you make changes. 
oh, speak life. We need to speak life to each other. We need to speak life to ourselves. <laughs> we totally don't have time for it. It's like, it's like a minute and a half. I saw this video yesterday. Um, and I love like the Attenborough guys, you know, the, um, anyway, but I thought it was a good picture of you can be in the most desperate situation. And when someone who's like loving Jesus comes alongside you, something that looked totally impossible now, all of a sudden the whole situation changes. We actually need each other to remember who we are. We need the encouragement. Okay, really quick. It's so, really, we don't have time, but real quick. David Attenborough. As they mature, young males begin to explore the boundaries of the planet's territory. Red has ventured out alone. And blundered straight into the middle of the hyena clan. He's trapped by over 20 of them. The pack tries to wear him down. This number of hyenas could kill him. It's impossible to find them all at once. he shouldn't have been. He crossed boundaries he shouldn't have gone to. His cousin didn't do it. His cousin was safe, but he heard the commotion in Red's life, <laughs> and he came. And that changed. It flipped the whole situation. I've said it before when we're talking about Peter. I've said this before, but we can't just spend our whole life saying, Jesus, come and calm my storms. At some point, you need to get raised up to where Jesus can send you into storms, right? You're, he's going to send you into other people's storms. And other people's storms are messy and uncomfortable. But it saved Red's life. We've got to speak life, right? So you're going to be in the word, in testimony. Speak life to yourself. Speak life to others. And then two, be generous. Be generous. Be generous. You have five capitals. We just finished talking about them last week. Five capitals. In order of lowest to highest, you've got money. You've got physical. You've got intellectual capital. You have relational capital. You have spiritual capital. Be generous. Believe that you serve the God who has limitless capacity. 
limitless capacity. Now, the wisdom comes from doing only what he tells you to do. He's going to tell you where to invest yourself, your money, your things, right? So you're going to do what he's telling you to do, but don't be afraid. If he's telling you, do this thing, now you've got a place to put hope. God, you have told me to do this thing. Now I'm believing you, who never grows weary, that you can bring capacity now to me. How are you doing? So we're generous, giving of ourselves to each other, and we're generous with God. Does God need our generosity? No. But man, when we're generous with God, God, I want to lavish my time on you. I want to lavish, right? Whatever capitals you've given me, I want to turn back to you. I want to use my intellect to understand you more and the revelation of yourself through your word. Lavish yourself on him, be generous with him, and you're going to find lots of capacity to be generous with others. So we're going to be in the word because we need to believe God if we're going to have hope. Hope starts with believing him. We're going to be in the word and in testimony. We're going to speak life to ourselves and life to others. And we're going to be people of generosity. Amen. Would you stand? Would you stand? Worship team, come on up. Prayer team, come on up. Now listen, we're Pentecostal in the house, which means we're not just looking for information to pile on more information. We want to do something with this now. So here's ways that you can respond to God physically, Turn the intellectual into like, get some fruit from that. Number one, you can respond to him in worship. Begin to worship him and let him speak to you and you speak to him. You can come and receive prayer. There are folks here on each side and back in that alcove who can pray for you. But every single believer in this house has the kingdom without measure. So you can pray with any believer near you too. Everyone's released to do the Jesus stuff. Maybe you want to kneel at the altar or sit at your seat or just respond while you're standing, but let's take time to actually respond to God. You're going to hit those doors and go back into your schedule, and there's going to be distractions of this life. There's a lot everyone has to do, right? So cement what he is speaking now. Get a word from him now for you. Amen? Amen. Let's take some time.
cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee and ardents evermore shall be next one Holy, oh, it's a good one. Holy, holy, though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful men thy glory may not see. Only, only thy. so good he's so good and he's holy there's no imperfection there's no want in him <laughs> and he's here with us now would you pray with me our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. <laughs> Amen. As you go today, would you speak words of life to somebody, encourage somebody? And if you're a visitor, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be by the coffee. So if you're visiting today, come and meet me.